welcome back, if indeed you have come back. I'm First Age, and we're here to talk about tabletop role-playing games. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks also for your feedback on what I'm going to call Session Zero. Uh, suggestions uh, all are taken in, and I'm sure we're going to sort of pick up many of those over the course of these episodes. Check our archives if you want to get to Session Zero, the podcast about the podcast, a sort of metapod, if you like. And now we're starting our campaign, Session One, really exciting. And you know how it is with these campaigns, don't you? You know, they, they, they don't particularly survive the first session with the players, or hopefully not, that's generally a good sign. I thought for this one, we'd start by dipping our toes into the noughties. It, it sort of really sort of feels appropriate. So I hope you're all settled down. Uh, you've got what you need. Uh, you're comfortable. Uh, maybe a cup of tea. Do you do, you do tea? Um, custard creams, perhaps? Uh, I always used to, with, with custard creams, you know, they're basically biscuit, cream, biscuit, sandwich, to try and nibble off both both biscuit pieces and leave the cream complete structurally intact uh, very difficult to do and I had a, such a sense of satisfaction uh, when I did it who knows maybe you're doing that but first up I'm going to do a uh, sort of like a, a deep dive into a kind of a review or maybe a, a homage for a game system rather than a specific game though we'll touch on the games that use these rules or powered by as the uh, as the kids say, I mean it might be a shallow dive. Uh, I'm not much of a swimmer. Uh, of a swimmer, it'd be more than a paddle though. But there might be some mental thrashing about. I'd like this review to start as a bit of a game. The podcast title hasn't really given anything away, and that was deliberate. Uh, see how long it takes you to work out which system I'm talking about. There's no prize except for, you know, the warm sense of accomplishment that you worked it out. When you get it, shout the name out. I probably won't hear it, uh, but I hope you'll experience the same level of satisfaction as my rare custard cream extraction. I'm going back to 2005. So work out what you were doing during that year. For me, well, my third child was on the way and it's incredible to think I'm, I'm going back game system wise back to a time when he simply wasn't I'm also of course making the assumption that you were also alive in 2005 I don't think I've quite captured the youth market yet on this podcast in gaming well, we were coming out of the D20 OGL glut I mean I call it a glut I mean perhaps it was Nirvana for you I don't know were you there do you remember it were you a part of it did you help to fuel it I mean, it passed me by somewhat, as I was mostly doing and playing other things. But the game shop shelves were full of them. In preparation for this podcast, I did try to think, did, did I also dip into the D20 sort of OGL stuff? And the only connection I can think of was Fantasy Flight Games' Midnight Setting. Do you remember that one? The Last Age of Eridane, where the Dark Lord Isrador, for that's what his name was, had triumphed and you played sort of like surviving people struggling for a future. Now I think the conceit of the game sort of tickled my Tolkien taste buds. A fourth age where Sauron had overwhelmed the last of the three peoples, Middle-earth in lockdown. 
I, I would have looked about for other systems to run this setting as I, I simply hadn't got into or was yet really interested in the D20 beer moth. One system to rule them all and in the darkness bind them. Now, I absolutely would use the system we're supposed to be talking about in Midnight. Actually, you know, that Yeah, that could be a thing. It could be a thing. D&D 3.5. I don't know if you remember that one. It was out in 2003, apparently. I had to look that up. The mighty Oliphant of games. Of interest to me now, because I'm playing a highly developed descendant of this lineage in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Now... You absolutely could play in the land of Eridane with Pathfinder 2nd Edition, but to be honest, the, the conversion work would lend itself to something much lighter for me, which takes us back to our topic. We'll do Pathfinder another time. So, let's go. I'm going to talk about a generic system. It also uses a D20 roll high resolution mechanic. It was promoted as a system to be used in any genre, light, flexible, uh, simple and rock solid sort of core to it. Indeed, it was a system that only needed the D20. No other dice from the polysets were required. Just the icosahedron, the great swingometer. Now, some of the um, some of the iterations that uses this game system do use some of the other dice, particularly for damage, but not in this one. Not in the core, if you like, the sort of core iteration. All task results were interpreted on one simple to remember results table. And this intent-based, unified, simple system went on to power a number of games with a recent resurgence in space and our own antediluvian past. I mean, it, it definitely is of its time, sort of second generation, quite traditional in setup. Uh, I would say inherently lacking perhaps some of the mechanical narrative tricks that some of our newer games have developed. Uh, but it's great nevertheless. 2005, okay, how are you doing? Um, this is the year that this system found expression as a generic system, its own core book, but the system itself had a genesis in, I think, 1987, at a time as it happens when the rock group genesis were arguably, arguably, at their commercial peak. I'm prepared to get letters on that. Now, this early, possibly first expression of the system uh, by a company called Bard Games for a fantasy setting that prided itself boldly in not having any elves. In fact, it is possible that elements of this system were being expressed even earlier, back to 1984. Now, that may have lost some of you by now, but 84, well, that was a time that I succumbed very briefly to chartered accountancy. My tomes of double-entry bookkeeping mirroring the Arcanum, also produced by Bard Games, a game of Atlantis and a distant past before, and creating the myths that we now look back to. Mm, maybe, but certainly from 87. The fantasy setting without the elves. Now, I have to say, it appeared to me to have a number of brightly coloured species that looked, well, a bit like elves. But I'm not one to judge, and my brief foray into that world was great fun. A setting called Talislanta. If you'd like to explore this world, then you can for free. The author, Stephen Michael Secchi, has put all the versions on PDF out for free for personal use at talislanta.com. Well worth a look. 
the generic version of the Talislander rules, well, the system I'm talking about today was published by Morrigan Press and is called the Omni System. Hope you got it. The core book, released in 2005, has also found a tweaked expression later from Jerry D. Grayson's Kepera Publishing, Omega System, possibly the last letter on all things Omni. All right, so Omni then, let's talk about it. Some substance of the framework, if you like. Characters are made up of a traditional elements, I would say, um, for games of its time and probably of this time, to be honest. Seven primary attributes, you know, they're all a familiar hue. Strength, dex, perception. Uh, yeah, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, randomly generated, actually, uh, according to the Omni core book. Um, in my version, you know, I just quick points, points by uh, to get over that. But, you know, you can certainly roll your d20 and, and see what happens. Some secondary ones, secondary attributes derived, including things like combat and magic rating. Um, with some other derived attributes that came along as well. Uh, like hit points, for example, though that's linked to ancestry. Attributes themselves are zero averaged, so if you're bang on average on anything, you're, you've got it at plus zero. Um, technically, they've got a spread from around minus five to plus five for humans, but in practice, and unless you are slavish to that D20 random generator, you'll probably come out somewhere between a minus one to a plus three around generation. Um, you get ancestry, you can have culture, and calling sections and they all provide you with uplifts to skills talents uh, and attributes um, ancestry called race in the book um, the sort of people that you come from the species if you like culture says something around the place that you came from and how that how that affects your skills and your talents maybe a little bit and the calling well callings are you can you can build your own callings they're like a profession if you like they're not really a class they're a, they're, they're a, a grouping of skills and talents um that come with um um that particular calling and as i say you can just quite very quickly just build your own they give you points and tell you how to buy them and you can make up your own callings so the skills then skills and there were quite a few of them it, 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 again it is slightly of its age um even allowing for the fact that you know some of the skills are for a multi-genre system so you wouldn't necessarily be using them in the game that you're playing um they're rated from plus zero to well i suppose plus quite high at about plus 10 then you are getting quite notable in that skill and the skill rating is used in the d20 roll so you roll your d20 and you add on your skill uh, ancestry provides you with some extra unique abilities defines your base hit points and modifies your attributes hit points don't rise in this game there's i think there's one maybe one iteration of an omni powered game that perhaps has rising hit points with level um, but i can't think of many and mostly they don't um, you get a bonus for your con and that's about it um, talents well they're they're your classic extra neat abilities they're firmly in the sort of stunt feet advantages kind of a category uh, and provide you with extra cool things that you can do to differentiate your character and there's quite a big section on fluff stuff on soft focus what's your character like then where do they come from um, some role-playing tips about sort of bringing out the sort of character uh, in play 
The game itself, the mechanic, centers around a unified mechanic for all effort. Um, it's a skill-based kind of game, as I say, so it's roll a d20, you add your skill rating, and you subtract a degree of difficulty penalty, or, or, or indeed your opponent's skill rating if you're in an opposed check. And you compare your result to a table, and that's it. And that's pretty much it throughout and consistently. And the Omni results table has got five, five different results. Roll your d20 and apply those uh, two modifiers, which becomes effectively one modifier, to your roll and see what you get. Its mishap is a zero or less, bad news, something bad happens, straight failure, one to five, a partial success, six to 10, a success, 11 to 19, and a critical success, 20 plus. And a partial success achieves about half of what you want. It's sort of like a yes, but half damage in combat, perhaps. Um, whilst your critical success, your 20 plus, is a yes and, providing you some kind of extra narrative special effects and certainly some, you know, baked in, it's a knockout potential in combat. Um, so you're going to get a success of some kind from a 6+. plus. It won't be everything you want, but you'll get something, which is quite cool. And I love games with such an elegant and clean resolution mechanic, really quick to pick up and apply. Now, I mean, there is a moment, I would say, of, well, let's call it double entry bookkeeping, to get your bonus or your penalty to the d20 roll. You've got to add your stuff in and take your opponents off. But it's a minor mental gymnastics for a multitude of potential factors boiled down to a number, and it is smooth in play. The game is, as most, as most are really, intent-based. You say what your character's going to do, and the GM will interpret, probably along with you, applying the degree of difficulty that feels right and working through the consequences of your actions arising from the stated uh, intent. The magic system is an absolute delight. I, I'm going to say I'm going to call it a delight. You've got modes of magic for which you have a rating uh, made from your skill level and magic rating secondary attribute. Um, and it's just like any other skill. And modes are effects, such as you know you, you've got like an an attack mode, or a, a manipulation mode, or a summoning mode, or an influence mode. Uh, uh, and, and there are a number of themed magical orders that you can belong to. And the orders shape how your magic is cast, how it looks, and, the mo and, uh, and also the modes that you are especially attuned to because of the order that you are in. And each mode uh, itself, you have a, a separate skill for, uh, and the mode gives you a set of costs depending on the scale of the magic that you want to cast within that themed mode. The cost is effectively the degree of difficulty of the magic, the penalty to your spellcasting role. The higher the level, therefore, of the spell, the more powerful it is, but the harder it is to cast successfully. And a mishap on the result table, a zero or less result, brings wild magical mishaps. So there's risk. Uh, I guess depending on how you want to play magic at the table, um, your effects you could create on the fly by just building up an effect, working out the cost and rolling the die, or you can build your own effects pre-prepared at a difficulty level, a spell, if you will, or I like to think of that like a, like a magic macro, ready to be triggered when the mage needs it. Absolutely sweet, really nicely done. Build your own grimoire, why not? As I say, hit points don't tend to increment, 
Um, skills and talents and attributes can increase, um, uh, as can some other secondary attributes, such as wealth, glory, or renown, if the game that you're using uses those. The gameplay itself is free-flowing, and the Omni framework provides just enough to make sense of the action. It's, it's a traditional game, it, uh, second generation, I'd say it's of its time, with it's got so it's got combat rounds, six seconds I think, some set movement in feet or, or, or meters based on your speed. Um, you can effectively do one action, but you can do other actions at penalties minus five, minus ten, minus fifteen. Uh, real money amounts uh, typically, although uh, I think Jerry brings in a wealth attribute to abstract that. Uh, which is, is quite a nice way of dealing with it. Lists of weapons and armour, as you'd expect. Uh, and, and, of course, a slightly embarrassed encumbrance section. Now, the core book serves various flavours of fantasy, I would say, fairly well, uh, just, just straight out of the book. Other genres, not so much. But the rules were extended through a number of games, which have all held the Omni rules within them uh, complete including Atlantean Sword and Sorcery, Talislanta, no elves, Fantasy Medieval, uh, medieval Europe, um, Steampunk, Mafia Crime, Terran Trade Authority Science Fiction, and there's also apparently somewhere out there a mythical Ronin historical Japan game that, yeah, to be honest, only a few Illuminati have on their fortress hard drives. Uh, I don't think it was ever released, and I've never been able to find it. Two of the more recent expressions of Omni are through Jerry D. Grayson's Capera Publishing, Hellas, Worlds of Sun and Stone, a space opera in the style of mythic Greece. Now, if you wanted to space up Omni with a horizon of fated heroics, then this is definitely the game for you. Uh, the space system gives you lots of room for expanding the game, you know, to be honest, with or without this highly inventive and very flavorful, uh, sort of flavorful setting that Jerry has produced. Jerry's also published uh, an update to Morrigan's Atlantis the Second Age, layering on ooh, uh, life path, some sweet touches to the system itself, renown and hero points, definitely hero points, really nice addition, which I will use in any Omni uh, game I want to use now and some delicious heroic sort of flaws, disadvantages that can drive so much of the action. Beautifully done. I think in the works he's got a new edition of his God's End Agenda, which has the Omega Core. Some new design stretches, I think, in there. Whispers of Atlantis, maybe, whilst playing the sort of mythic superheroes and the effect that they have on the world around them. So then, the Omniverse, then. I'm going to say it's a it's it's a it's a it's a nice, highly playable game system, with a bit of a tidy maybe, um, maybe an accumulation of some of the subsystems that have come out for, uh, for, uh, around it. It, it. it's it's worn extremely well, and I think that's because I for me I think it was rather ahead of its time. Um, it's an underappreciated system, and supporting uh, some great games. Um, I mean, you could ask the question, you know, what, why would I use Omni you know, other than, well, frankly, anything else, but certainly in comparison to some of the other great generic systems that are out there? It's a good question. I think that's probably a, a question for another episode, to be honest, just looking at, ge at generic systems in general, what they bring, uh, and maybe what they really bring. 
uh, when we have so many inventive and tailored games out there. Um, I'd say Omni's sort of nearest and closest might be True 20. It's not, it's not a game I've played. I've had a quick look at it. Um, uh, True 20 being sort of Green Ronin's um, sort of light sort of D20 game that takes a lot of the, if you like, the sort of D20 uh, OGL style sort of sort of elements and boils them down to the absolute basics uh, and produces a very interesting uh, game. It, certainly in the generic iteration of True 20, it's a, it's a level-based game with sort of progression based around levels. Classes, yes, but only three of them. Um, I suspect other iterations of True, uh, of True 20 uh, um, use the chassis and, and dispense with that, in which case it's even more like Omni. Um, I don't know too much about True 20. Um, it, it probably doesn't have that sort of unified results table, but it will have a unified mechanic that underpins it, uh, absolutely. Um, bottom line, well, I'm running a game of Atlantis um, using Omni at Furnace uh, Games Convention online this year in October. And I'd, I'd definitely like to do a freewheeling fantasy game using the framework. That's got to be a good sign. And Talislanta, the Savage Land, I've literally just acquired that. I can't believe it's taken me this long to get into to Talislanta. And okay, I've, I've arrived with the Savage Land, which is, you know, a thousand years before, and it's it's a complete post-apocalypse disaster. So we could play some games in there. That's That's got lots to offer too, including some interesting tweaks to the Omni system. So it's still developing. There's still people working in there, and they're still bringing out great games. Um, um, using the Omni system. I like it. I think it's worth a look. Um, safe to say, for me, Omni, well, it's still got it. Hope that was of interest. Uh, love to hear from you. Uh, drop me a note. Um, I'll be talking some more about Omni, I've got no doubt. But to keep to my half-hour pledge, I think I'm going to sort of call it a day there. Uh, and we'll talk some more about generic systems, and perhaps a bit more about Omni uh, in other episodes. Thanks for listening. Hope you're well. Stay safe, and we'll talk soon. Cheers.